listening to Jam Squared. 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 Welcome, welcome, welcome back another time to your favorite, favorite podcast. JM Squared. This is your boy Mark. And this is your boy Jason. And where's Moses? Guys. He's left out. Where has he's been left behind? Oh my gosh. But guys, one thing we know about JM Squared. What do we always say, Joyson? Say it with your chest. Say it with your chest, yeah. But we have guests. What type of guests do we have? Quality guests. Quality guests. Guys, I don't even know how to start, where to begin. But as you already know, we're not in Toronto. We've left Toronto behind because... Left it. Yeah, Toronto's been moving a little ghetto right now. So, real, you know, we've, we've migrated, you know. We did. We, we migrated. And guys, we are not in Squared Studios, but we are located right now live from Freedom Life Church in Edmonton, Alberta. And we have the pleasure to host the host pastor of this church. I'll let him introduce himself. Sir, who are you? Please, for the people, who are you? Please feel free. All right. Well, they call me Pastor Ro, so, you know, I'm going to just stick with that right now. Mm-hmm. Pastor Ro. Pastor Ro. Pastor. That, so that's your, your governmental name, sir? Oh, uh, no, that's my governmental name. <laughs> that's not your government. That's the one call you. <laughs> well, okay, well, you want, if you want my government, all right. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Rohan Samuels is what I is what they call me. We love it. That's that. That's amazing. So we're here with Pastor Rohan Samuels, and he is an amazing man of God, doing amazing things, especially on social media. I've I've had um, exposure to him. Joyce, have you seen him before? Uh, no, to be honest, it's uh, my first time being introduced to Pastor Ro. So okay. I'm excited to learn more that's about it. you. And so please, please tell our guests a little bit about who you are, um, what you're all about. Your passions and what it's is important for people to know about you. Yeah, man. Well, I, I'm excited uh, to be here. I guess I'm in my own church. You're in your but, own church, but uh, to be with these brothers, uh, I, this is a very exciting moment. It is, um, and so I'm excited to participate in this conversation. But uh, very briefly, uh, I am married to one wife. One wife. Mm. Let me just shout out that one wife, guys. <laughs> one wife. We love it. We love it. One wife, her name is Janelle Samuels. Uh, she's a worship pastor here. Uh, we have one son one as son. well, too. Uh, his name is Josiah, strategically named as such. Uh, I'm the lead pastor of, uh, here at Freedom Life Church. Um, and also, I, as you talk about passion, you know, um, I'm also pursuing a, a, a PhD as well, too. So mm. uh, I'm in that world. And, you know, when it comes to theology, when it comes to conversation of such, uh, that's right. my passion. Yeah, that's a bit about me, man. I, a little bit. I'm okay. okay with that. <laughs> You're okay with that, but the people are not okay with that. We need <laughs> we need to pull back and, and address some things. So how did you get involved within the world of theology? What? Just a little brief synopsis. What was your um, relationship with God like growing up? And how did you come to faith in the Lord Jesus and end up here? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so, I, I mean... There's a, there's a saying that goes Born on the front front bench, bench. Mm-hmm. And that was me man I was born on the front bench uh, My parents are elders in uh, in the church and So mm-hmm. I've always been in ministry I've always known church um, I was introduced to God Or at least say more It's more ministry per se As a musician I'm a musician at heart right. um, Before I became pastor and preaching um, And so uh, Just very briefly I was I went to York University Shout out York producing. Come on, even outside of Toronto, we love it. We love it. So I went to York University. I did a degree in political science, and in my final year, I graduated, and I was perplexed. Actually, I was going to law school. Wow. So law school was my destination, and afterwards, you know, uh, I had a moment where God is like, "What? Well, nah, you're not going mm. to law school. Mm. You're pursue me." And, wow. Uh, Years later, here am I. Wow, amazing. So here am I. Very, 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 very interesting. So just a little bit, even before we get into more of the questions. So how did you end up here in Edmonton? Because if you're in Toronto for York University, how was that transition like? Yeah, man. So 
initially, my dad moved out here for work. And uh, when he moved out here, this was during the Christmas year of 2014. Mm. I decided, you know, to visit him just for Christmas, just for two weeks. And what happened after that is history, brothers. You know, Mm. I decided to visit. And in the same time, I got accepted into seminary. And Mm. so when I got accepted before I left, my visit turned into residence. And so I just stayed here. I, I haven't been back since. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so the seminary is, is here in Edmonton. It's here in Edmonton, Taylor Seminary. Shout out that, shout, shout out, out that seminary. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful, Joyce. Do you have any questions? Anything oh, to say? I feel like I have a lot to ask, but I'll just <laughs> say, Pastor Ro, what what thing on this podcast we know we call him the theologian because okay. he is somebody when it comes to the Bible. Uh, that's cool. I love it. He, he's very interested. And, and, and you'll figure it out in just a little bit that he's very passionate as well right. yeah. about it. So, But yeah, Pastor Ro, um, it's once again, it's a pleasure meeting you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so far, um, it's interesting to learn your uh, story from how you left Brampton, Toronto area to come and to. And he's a Brampton man Brampton too. man, yeah. I mean, Guys. that's pre-podcast. That's something he <laughs> told us before for the podcast. You Somebody know? asked, can any good thing come out of Brampton? <laughs> Come on They are They are They are they I love are. it But uh, yeah I, I, I feel like It's uh, When it comes to Big transition like that mm-hmm. You know Obviously the Lord Has different ways To lead us mm-hmm. Knowing to his will And One of the Ways to know that You're called to do Something is your passion for it You know yeah. And I've realized Even for myself It's something I'm developing The passion of Like studying theology Learning God's truth and I'll be honest, my story came, I guess, my passion came from learning a lot of theological errors in the church I used to go to. And from that, it kind of made me more studious towards God's word. And obviously, when you learn true and you realize people are in error, at the end of the day, you have two choices. They said either I follow truth, but, and obviously at the risk of been cutting friendships or relationships if I have to or act as if everything's okay and I just go along with the error right and I'm still kind of in that process but I think by God's grace you know he's living in a way that being that he was giving me strength to defend my faith to defend my belief and my theology and it's something that by God's grace I'm I'm keeping up with you know so I guess kind of enter into more question um, so first of all the seminary you went to, um, what type of theology that seminary holds to? Because let's be honest, there, there, there are multiple seminaries that exist, you know, but they all contra- some some seminary contract their own theology, you know. And honestly, it's like being studious is great, but having a certain degree doesn't necessarily mean you're you're right, you know. Because I've I've, li- I've read some doctors. I wrote certain books and I think their theology is off. And there are other doctors that have other theological views that contradict what does doctor believe, you know? And that's just one example out of many, you know? So yeah. what what made you choose your seminary? And so far as of today, how, like, even your story, how do you even get the passion to know, okay, this is something I want to do? Because obviously going to law school is a big decision, but mm. if the Lord leads you into studying God's word more deeply, it's something to take seriously, you know. So, what was kind of your story, and what made you choose this this seminary you went to, and how do you feel so far into it? So, yeah, brother, man, that's a, that's a great question. Mm. Perhaps those are great questions, mm. and it's multi layered, and it's and there's so much to unpack with that. Yeah. Uh, so l- let me begin with this, and hopefully this I, I kind of get to your question. Um, so. Theologically, and yeah. perhaps let me say, uh, from this point of view, um, doctrinally, yeah. uh, I don't know if yourselves or your listeners are aware of 
the particular theological view of one is Pentecostalism, which is heretical. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> okay. The moment you said that, I was just looking at Joyce, and I'm just like, I know what this man is about to say. Out of his <laughs> sorry, one thing, one thing we always do on this podcast, we always say for a chest. Say it with your chest. And sometimes it's like, if 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 like when it comes to because the thing is, I've noticed we live it in a in an era where. To be honest, a lot of Christians are afraid of speaking truth. And I think it's it's sad. They want to make it more nice. And it's like, frolicky. when you study scripture, yes, of course, there's a piece of love, you know, when it comes to speaking truth. But the Bible is very clear. Like, you ought to refute false doctrine. And even in the in the podcast with the professor, we had, we had a professor from uh, his Bible school that came and we talked about hermeneutics. And I, and I mentioned this. One of the qualifications of an overseer, according to Titus 1, is to be able to refute, like, false doctrine. As a pastor, you need to be able to refuse those who contradict sound doctrine, which implies that. I have to teach, you. Yeah. You have to teach truth. And if you teach truth, you will have to confirm error because not everyone is right, correct? So, sometimes... You're just gonna say for what it is. This, this is why we count the theologians. <laughs> if it's false, it's false. You know, it's but false, it's anyways, false. you can you, you can go ahead too. <laughs> yeah, brother. No, man, you're on the same wavelength as I am. Um, and and so I was on that journey. Um, and it, it, I mean, if you, I've calmed down now because you know I'm pastor, but I used to be that person that yeah. was like the avenger of the faith, and I still yeah. am. Yeah. Um, but I I kind of do it in different ways now. Yeah. Nonetheless, so to your question, uh, so I, I submitted to previously that sort of theological framework of what yeah. is Pentecostalism. And yeah. so I went to more so of a Baptist seminary that was obviously not one is Pentecostalism, Clearly, it was yeah. Trinitarian in doctrine. Um, and so my first year of seminary was crazy family. I can imagine. Mm. Yo, it was crazy. And Gosh, the reason why sure. it was crazy is because I went there mm. expecting for me to defend my what you position yeah. Yeah, yeah. and prove to these scholars yeah. I'm right. Right, that I'm right yeah. and they're wrong. They're and right. I remember my first paper um, in my systematic theology one class yeah. was class. shredded. Hey, they shred it. They sh- literally shred it. Hey. Like, okay, not, not physically, but I'm saying my professor, he. like, he shredded my arguments, mm. destroyed me. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason why he's an apologist, um, a shout out Dr. Randall Rouser, man, if he's on Instagram, uh, as his name is Tentative Apologies on, mm. uh, excuse me, on, on Twitter. Brilliant man. Right. Actually, he's he's been my motivation to pursue my PhD. N- yeah. Nonetheless, right. he shredded me because he was previously once, one is Pentecostalism, yeah. at least wow. in theology. Bro. And so when I was like, uh, my first year, he shredded my arguments, and I was oh, like, no. "Yo, I didn't know that because I, I thought, know. you know, this is all I knew." Right, right. And so when I began to realize, oh my goodness, there is a whole wealth of church history yeah. that mm. I was not exposed to. Exactly. Right. It literally put me in a paradigmatic shift in my brain. I couldn't mm. even function right. Well, it was challenging. Yeah. It was challenging. Right. It was necessary. It is. And it's what it did for me. It produced the earlier stages of deconstruction. Mm. So I now began to deconstruct most of what I thought was truth and then begin to reconstruct on truth. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. Right. It's necessary. So, so, so that process was was challenging. It was actually emotional. There are times where I would be like, you know, uh, um, it, it affected my emotions. It affected my psyche, my mentality. It just affected so many things in my life because I'm like, God, now, now you're res- you're reshaping my view of you, or at yeah. least what I was taught. Right. But remember. I'm attached to family. Yeah, exactly. I'm attached to a community now. It's difficult, yeah. So, so removing yourself or challenging some of the things that they believe is now. I mean, you're putting yourself in a, a difficult position. But yeah. as you mentioned, my hunger was for what? True, true, true. And it has there has it has to be the core factor as to why you do what you do and what and to hold to what you believe, right? And mm-hmm. just to kind of add to that, even in my process. And I've been, <laughs> had some. I had a lot of friends that go to Pentecostal churches, right? And I'll be honest, I made it clear to them. 
I don't adhere to this type of theology. Why? Because I cannot be honest with scripture and conclude that what you guys believe is biblical. And historically, this is proven. This is just fact. Regardless of your theological position, this movement started in the 1900s, right? And it is true. There are some Pentecostal today that hold to Trinitarian doctrine. But toward the mid-1900s, this is when one is Pentecostalism started like growing. And it's like, if you even study church history, prior to the 1900s, there was no movement that resembled the modern Pentecostal movement. This is just a, this is just a fact, you know? And even that's something even their theologian like adhered to, you know? And I always say this to my friends and to people like I try to speak truth to, at least to my view, because I did, to a certain extent, I did grow up in this, in this type of sort of church, right? But when I came to faith, right, first of all, I, I've experienced different type of churches, right? What, first of all, I kind of grew up in Africa, so the church was heavily charismatic, but I was a kid. So for me, this was normal church. And when my parents moved to um, Canada, uh, I was around nine. We went to a Baptist church, and I was there for like seven years. Gotcha. So my idea was of church kind of changed a little bit, right? Though at home, my parents kind of held to certain cultural thing, like the view of spiritual warfare, like this idea of if there's something wrong, maybe witchcraft, this or that. It's like this idea of kind of spiritualize everything, you know, yeah. and not to negate it, but to be honest, a lot of those beliefs are rooted in culture, right? Because if you go to certain churches, they view spiritual warfare different, you know? But anyways, not to bash or being neg uh, negate anything, but my point is this. Culture doesn't dictate truth. And it's not because something is normalized for years that it makes you right, you know? And like you said, in your growth, when the Lord saved you from this type of Theology one is Pentecostalism. Now you have to confront those that you're the closest to. And this is where the shift really comes in and hits you more because now it's like, okay, I see this truth. I have my friends and family that also proclaim the faith. But if you have to be honest with yourself, it's really hard to believe that we're worshiping the same God. If, we, if you're going to be honest with scripture, because it's like, if you have this idea that God is somehow both the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three of them at the same time, and he changed modes. And you believe the Trinitarian God, that God is one person. No, sorry, God is, there is one God, one God, but three persons, the Trinity, right? Mm -hmm. Which is completely different from oneness theology. That's two different gods. There's no way to put it. Like, you can't. You can't claim both are correct. It's either one is true and one is wrong, you know? And it's it's something that I found really, really hard to grasp because it's like when you love people, but you get to some place where you grow in the truth, you have to confront that reality, right? So I guess my question to you is how were you able to go through that process? And obviously there has to be a lot of deconstruction. How were you also still loving God? Because it hurts. Let's be honest. If, if you realize you've been wrong all these years, it hurts. You know? And now it's like, okay, why is it that I see this truth? But the same people I love, they don't see that same truth as I do. You know? So how was your process through that? Yeah. I, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, time doesn't, there's not enough time for me to share what the process actually looked like. Yeah. But what I will say is, um, the process was challenging and it's a journey. So what, what I did was um, I'm actually in the process of writing a book mm. to communicate that. Even I love there. that. <laughs> and so what I, what I have done um, is that I have published, well, not yet. Um, it's, it's in, it's, it's going to be published in the next, uh, maybe this summer. I've written three articles that showcases and communicates my journey. And one of my first article uh, was entitled Confessions. Mm. Right. And so what I did there is what I, I kind of discussed and I kind of unpacked. Yeah. Um, I kind of unpacked the process of what it felt like 
and I use this typology, I use Jesus being in the state that he was in Gethsemane, mm. facing the reality of the cross. Mm. And I kind of use that as a symbolism to reflect my experience of what my Gethsemane felt like. Mm. Having to bear typologically, when the Bible says uh, Jesus uses the word as a metaphor, uh, he says, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass by. Obviously, Jesus yeah. wasn't drinking anything physically, yeah. uh, but he's using somewhat of, of a language to communicate what was to be embraced. Yeah. And so I, so I kind of use that as a symbol to symbolize, man, this cup I'm drinking is this. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, I'm not savior of the whole world. I'm at Jesus. That would be blasphemous. Definitely. <laughs> Just, just gonna make it clear right? <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to refer what I'm referring to what I'm doing is I'm trying to Bible says that Jesus touched with our fields of infirmity right I, I'm trying to 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 communicate the process yeah. of, of my Gethsemane experience yeah and so my first article is dealt with that mm. uh, my second article is dealing with Confessions. So I think my ones get so many ones with confessions, or either or. I don't remember off the top of my head. And, and anyways, my second article dealt with okay, what's happening? Yeah. And my last article is dealing with where I'm at now. Right. And so it's a three it's a three part article, a series of articles that's dealing with that my process. But I will say this to say, one thing that helped me was community, individuals who went through what I went through and could guide me. So I believe right. every pastor should have a pastor. Every mm. person should have a mentor. So I have a That's mentor right. who went through it, who been through it at a high level of degree, who was able to help me navigate through those challenging moments. So it's it's a mount it's a it's a very it's 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 very vast. Um, but I will say community and being able to know how to articulate and communicate what you're going through in whatever form you can. Mine was writing. Right, um, mm. and, and and for you that may be you know this space here, whatever the case may right. be, you, the this has here. to be an outlet. Yeah. And I'm just using it just to kind of, right. you know, generalize and provide a synopsis of it. Yeah. Um, but the deconstruction period for me is about two to three years. Wow. No, and that's that's fair. And just you can, just to add to that, I've met other people that even to the church I used to attend to, yeah, that left obviously for same theological reason. And they had the same type of story. They said it took them about two to three years, you know? And I, one thing God is, I, th I believe God is really like teaching me lately in the past year or two is that you need to give grace to those people in their time of deconstruction because sometimes as much as you would like to believe that the truth is so evident to people, mm -hmm. it may not be, you know? And obviously that doesn't excuse the fact that if you're wrong i mean you're wrong you, you need to repent from false teaching it is still false but one thing i'm learning is one acknowledge that everyone's process is different and also give grace right it's hard i won't lie it's really hard especially when you have a lot of close people family and friends that you know for a fact that they're deceived and there's no other words to put it because it's what a word like, if, if you're deceived, you're deceived. There's no other cute way to put it. You're deceived. And the Bible is clear about this. The last day will be full of deception. Paul made that point very clear in First, in first Timothy 4 and, and Second Timothy. You know, <laughs> Peter said they will follow doctrine of demons. Mm. These, these are not nice words, you know. Oh so, it's, it's really hard. But one thing I'm learning is to give grace. And I guess if... The Lord wills even use this means such as this podcast to speak the truth, you know. And it's not easy; it's it's hard. But it's like I genuinely believe that one of the work of the Holy Spirit in terms of sanctification is to point you to the truth. Don't get it twisted. I believe God can still save people under deception. God, God is God; He's sovereign. But claiming that false teaching is true and claiming that this is the work of the Holy Spirit is wrong because the Holy Spirit doesn't contradict his word nor himself, you know? And I've heard different stories. Some people took them two, three years of going through that process of unlearning a lot of things that were normalized. And that's 
that's that's what I'm learning from it. It's not because something is normalized. It's not because something is popular. It's not because something is popularized that it makes it true. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You know, so Mark, go ahead. I want to say something? No, nah, it's okay. I'm gonna let Pastor O um, speak because I know he has some fire he's gonna drop just now, and then after we'll kind of segue because I just wanted to touch on something I heard that you mentioned. Sure. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it is true, and and the, the, again, this conversation. When it comes to the process of a person's theological formation, yeah, is is it's it's multi layered. So it again, is. so for example, let's let's look at um, Peter for example. Mm. It's interesting if we jump to the book of Acts, Acts chapter one. What was the concern of the the, the apostles or the disciples at the time? The concern was Jesus. When will you restore mm. the kingdom of Israel? Yeah, think about this. He just died, yeah. and on top of that, he resurrected and is ascended. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, so their concern was not even theological; it was political. Political, physical. Yeah. And so, I, I'm, and I'm using that example to say that even the disciples who were attached to Jesus, arguably yeah. for approximately three and a half years, right. they still had to deal with the reality of a focus. That wasn't really their primary focus. Why? Sure. Because they were attached to situations that's not easily, it's not easy to separate from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? So if you know a Jew, a Jew is not just Jew by uh, the name. They're Jew by identity. They're Jew yeah. by culture. Yeah. They're Jew by religion. They're, they're Jew by social reality yeah, and social form. Right? Sure. A Jew is not like a person who's a Christian. Because I can be a Christian. Mm. Like for y'all, y'all can be Christian. Mm. And you can be African. You can be Christian. And you can be Jamaican or Canadian. Not a Jew. If you're a Jew, you're a Jew culturally. You're, yeah, yeah. you're Jew religiously. At least what we see in first century. Yeah. And so their concern was, listen... Jesus, I understand you're God. You're the Messiah. We recognize you, Matthew 16. Yeah. Right? J Peter, P Jesus asked the question to the disciples, who the men say that I am? Mm -hmm. Right? And they said, well, some said you're John. Some said you're Elias. And they named the prophets. Peter said, no, you are the son of the living God. So he affirmed his deity. Right. And then Jesus says, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. All right? So the point I'm trying to make is, is even for Peter, yeah. And the disciples, even recognizing who Jesus was and the truth of who Jesus was, mm. still, still couldn't separate themselves from the reality of their present context. Yeah. Why did I say that? I say that to say this, that even for individuals that are going through this process of deconstruction, one of the challenges is not so much the theological reformation and or transformation. That's one of the aspects of it. Yeah. But another layer to it is the history mm. that they have been within something. Yeah. And now what and, and remember and now it's to say, for example, if you've been a, if you've been a part of something for so long, it's having to now separate yourself from it yeah. and to create an identity. A new one, right. From our, now, granted, we understand that if you are in pursuit of truth, you're now in truth. So let's say you know truth, you know, uh, you, you know what truth is. Mm. You're absolutely certain of what it is. That's great. Yeah. The challenge now becomes, okay, well, what does that community looks like? Well, the book of Acts is all about that. Mm. New Christ followers, they weren't called Christians yet, but these new Christ followers right. are affirming truth. And now they're being persecuted because they now are seen as a new community. Because yeah. they receive truth. Because they see truth. So, so individuals who are on who are going through a process of reevaluating, re-exploring, deconstructing, if I will, what they believe is non-truth to truth. Yeah. It's layered with so many realities. Um, it's separation of dealing with. Okay, what if your family doesn't accept you anymore? Mm. What if your community doesn't accept you anymore? Mm. Right. What if your church doesn't accept you anymore? So mm. it's having to deal with. Okay, what do I do now? When I am viewed as an outcast, or let's let me dare to say I'm excommunicated from my family. Wow. Yeah. Right. So it's it's the reality of what pursuing truth is. Mm. I mean, Jesus says it clearly in His Word, and so it's helping people to navigate. Like, listen, man, I've been there. That's it. Fire, guys. Listen, we are speaking with Pastor Rohan Samuels, aka Pastor Ro. Of Freedom Life Church here in Edmonton, Alberta. I've really been taking so much from this conversation. And you mentioned something. And 
um, just to shift gears a little bit, I've even noticed even in watching um, your church services and um, noticing certain things and even with your own podcast, because guys, uh, Pastor Roe also has a podcast, so check that out as well. I believe it's Candid Conversations. Sir. Candid Conversations with Rohan, so check that out. Shameless plug, it's, it's a lot of interesting um, topics right there. And um, you mentioned the importance of discipleship, right? And I've noticed even within FLC, Freedom Life Church, there's a culture of discipleship and mentorship, like you mentioned, finding people who affirm and believe the truth as well to stand with you. So even as we just come to a close, um, where do you find that discipleship is important and still relevant in this generation? And how do you feel like that gap can be bridged? Because like Joyce had mentioned, there are people seeking for truth all over, right? But how can how do you believe or based on not only scriptural evidence, but um, if you have like scientific, I don't want to bring scientific evidence on the same level as the Bible because it's not like that. Right, guys, it's not like that. But <laughs> what I mean is like, where do you find that churches, especially local communities and assemblies can make that effort to reach out to this generation that are seeking for truth? Yeah, that's a good question. So. Let's kind of look at discipleship from a Christocentric view. Um, what is, well, before we do that, let's look at it from a Judaic point of view. So one of the things that's important within uh, Jewish cultures, particularly when we look at the first century in particular, um, when it comes to discipleship between a disciple and a rabbi, Jesus does something very interesting. Many Jewish scholars argue that what Jesus does is because in within the Jewish custom, um, the discipler, I'm just using that term, mm -hmm. quote unquote, quote, discipler, chose their rabbi, mm -hmm. right? You would choose who you want your mentor to be, mm -hmm. just for lack of a better term. Right. A Jew who, like, you know, if a person, if I'm a pastor and, and I, I saw someone who else is a great pastor, I would reach out to them right. for them to be my rabbi. However, mm -hmm. Jesus does something different. What does he do? He reaches out to the disciples. He chooses, chooses his disciples. That's it. And so one of the first acts or presentation of disciples is those who are considered to be leaders. One of our responsibilities, stop waiting for people to come to us. Wait, please mm. hold on a second. Pull that up. No, no, no. That is, wow. Please say that one more time. I think that went over a lot of people. That went, Air Canada. I played right over their head. Please say that one more time, sir. Yeah, one of the wow. responsibilities as believers is we need to stop waiting for people to come to us. Mm. And leaders, we need to go to them. I but we're in this culture, right? You know, pastors are head to a high pedigree. You know, pastors want the special service. You know, they want the armor bearer. They want the. Come on. They want, you know, want someone, someone to open the door for Give them. Give me my VIP parking, please. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> they want their own special VIP, and they want people. They want people to um, come to them and to revere them. Well, mm. no, you're creating yourself as a godlike figure. Wow, which is and, biblical. Yeah, and yeah. correct. And so, what Jesus teaches us is what we call servant leadership, mm. meaning I lead by my service. Mm. Amen. And so, discipleship begins at that space where I'm. If we're going to create, like, say, a disciple cohort just between us three, right. well, it's not just about me sharing information. It's mm -hmm. about me serving you. This right. is why, this is why <clears throat> proper orthodoxy is also coupled with orthopraxy. Mm. Oh! No, please. For those who are listening for the first time, in this season of JM Squared, we are on what topic, Joyson? Menace to orthodoxy. Menace to orthodoxy. But Pastor Roe just introduced a new word. Ortho what, sir? Please, one more time. Orthopraxy. Orthopraxy. Wow. Okay, so what does that look like and what does that mean? Good question. So all orthopraxy is is correct practice. Mm. But the question is correct practice of what? Mm. Not necessarily correct practice of doctrine per se hear me mm. but correct practice of gospel living 
Mm. Why is this important? Because there are many people who have right doctrine, but they still have a bad attitude. Oh yeah. my gosh. Right? It's real. They have they have right doctrine, but they're still but they're still functioning with a incorrect mentality. Right. The mm-hmm. practice of how they live out the gospel is incorrect. Uh, does not even reflect what they believe theoretically. Mm. And so orthopraxy says, wow. I'm not so much only solely, and I'm using that word, solely, solely. concerned right. about what you think you believe is right. Yeah. Your your theory yeah. must also couple with your practice. Mm-hmm. Your practice must reflect what you believe doctrinally. Yes. And so Jesus, you know, puts it this way, you know, it's not so much what comes into you that what defiles you. Jesus says it's what comes out your mouth that defiles you. Goes yeah. So what's and in your so heart? what comes out goes out and defiles you. So 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 orthopraxy says it's not somewhat either or. Mm. It's both. It's that both is. and. And I believe discipleship is because I believe uh, yes. What what what, what, does, what takes place in John four? John four. Jesus tells the woman at the well. He's like, listen, man, you serve a God who you don't know. It speaks to her knowledge, know. right? Her and I use this word: her epistemological presupposition of who Jesus is. Okay. Yeah. In other words, her her basis of her understanding of who Christ is, she's ignorant to. Mm. He said, you worship who you don't know, but there will be a time yeah. where the true worship will worship in what? In spirit yeah. and in truth. So let me say this. A part of discipleship is also proposing that true worship is not expression of song. Mm. It's not expression of bodily movement. I've been saying this. See, you're, you're <laughs> echoing Joyce right now. Anyways. What? Please, Pastor Ro. Please, Pastor Ro. <laughs> true worship Whoa. is reflected by your, here it is, and I'm going to use this word. True worship is reflected by your diet and palate to truth. Mm. Oh, man. Because so, many of us really don't have a diet for truth. Woo-wee. We have a diet for half-truths. Uh. Yeah. Um, we have a diet, you know, for things that sound true. Mm. But as Paul says, it's the itch and ear kind of sort of, um, uh, you know, functionality now. Things that yeah. sounds yeah. good. No motivational time. sound bites on Instagram, ah. TikTok. And so we base our theology, we man. base our discipleship based upon things that are not actually solid in God's word. And so, oh, so when we look at the word worship, for example, what word worship just simply means in awe or reverence. Reverence. Which tells me. Reverence. Which tells me a part of sound doctrine is priorities. Oof. What do you prioritize? Oh, man. Right? This is powerful. What do you prioritize? A part of worship is what, what? you prioritize. So Jesus tells the woman at the well, in other words, let me just let me just translate it according to the language I will use. Mm. Jesus says that true worshipers are those that prioritize truth. Mm. Absolutely. True worshipers Definitely. are those that prioritize the functionality of the spirit, Galatians 5, and its conduct of the fruit that it produces in your fruit life. Of the spirit. And so to your question, discipleship is not again, discipleship begins with leaders or those who have called to 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 seek those who leave, but also Discipleship also functions within, and I'm using this word because it's powerful. Yeah. Discipleship work functions within community that holds you accountable. Many, wow. many cult type, subcultural Christian groups Man. function in isolation and create these particular spaces mm. where 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 they're perpetuated truth, quote unquote. Your truth, truth, false truth, your truth, eh? Their truth, mm. and create movements based upon that. Based upon that, i.e., Jehovah Witnesses. Oh my gosh! Hold on. The level of heresy. Is <laughs> the heresy is heresy in. Oh, <laughs> it really is. Heresy in. That's good. I like that. Oh my gosh! No, wow. I have, I have a lot to share. We Can have what? You want to say something? No, please, okay. Joyce, and you can speak. I'll, I'll let Pastor Roll to give his final thoughts. Okay. And then we will definitely wrap up. But guys, I just want for us to return back to orthodoxy. And not only orthodoxy, as it was mentioned. Orthopraxy. Wow. I'm glad I I'm glad I made it to Edmonton, you know. Real Trust time. Me. Wow. It's funny, you know that that word orthopraxy. I actually heard it before in uh mm. in a theological um I believe it was uh, a sermon I was listening to. 
and some guy was explaining the importance of sound doctrine but also the importance of how to biblically do church mm-hmm. and I think this is where he used the term orthopraxy you know it's yep. one thing to have sound orthodoxy right it's also another thing to have sound orthopraxy and it's not that you should have one more than the other mm-hmm. it's both kind of work alongside without negating each other right, right one who has sound doctrine should have sound orthopraxy and one who has sound orthopraxy should also have sound doctrine. So it can't be that you have the right behavior, but a heretical belief. Mm-hmm. And it can't be either that you have the right belief and unbiblical behavior. Right. right? So both got to work together. And I generally believe at the end of the day, all of this come down to a sovereign work of God. And why do I say that? Is one thing I'm learning, even in the midst of learning more truth and striving to defending defending it and also trying to share it is that no matter how much you try to convince someone I generally believe that salvation is completely from the Lord you know even when you read Acts I, I, I don't know if it's Acts chapter 16 when Paul preached right yeah. the Bible already says that God opened Lydia's heart so that she may respond to what Paul was saying mm-hmm. right so when it comes to those situations, you can't force anybody to have the right faith and the right behavior. Right. You just have to pray for them. And I think this is really what it comes down to, you know? And not just pray for them. Obviously, if you have the right opportunity, speak to them the truth. Share it to them, even if it makes you uncomfortable. Right. The Bible never promises that truth will be spoken comfortably. Never. That's wrong. Never. Mm-hmm. In fact, <laughs> I keep bringing this, like... Paul in Acts 9 literally confronted a false prophet called Bar Jesus. Can you really look at him intently and really refuted him? Yeah, to his face. There's no comfort in that. Not behind his back, to his face. Even even one of Paul's brothers, Peter, and a fellow apostle, when Peter was wrong, he confronted him. So you can't be a genuine believer, being told by the Holy Spirit and still be wrong. Mm-hmm. And that error has to be corrected. It takes humility, yeah. So one could say Peter had the right doctrine, but not the right orthopraxy. Right? And that had to be corrected. And Paul also warned of the opposite. Mm. Those who were pure like angels of light, who were servant of Christ mm. in Second Corinthians, but no, they're literally like agent of Satan. So they may act right, but I generally believe like you make a reminder of those people just talk about Matthew 7. On the day of judgment, I would say, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in your name? Mm. Have I not cast out the man in your name? Do this and that in your name. And Jesus will tell them, I never knew you. Right in the lake of fire, man. Which really proves your experience do not it's prove real. anything. It's real. Salvation is the sovereign work of God. And if you are indeed saved, the Holy Spirit will reflect that in your life, both in your theology and what you do that comes out of it, you know? Wow. And this is this is this, this is such, such, such a blessed conversation. I love like it. A, a tag team match, man. Like <laughs> I, I, powerful, man. Powerful, powerful. Pastor Ro, I like. Um, for you to give your final thoughts and also where the people can reach you or um, um, find more information about you, about FLC. I, I was exposed to your ministry through Instagram and through Twitter as well. At some of your posts and sometimes through Facebook. I remember before I used to see long Facebook posts. <laughs> man, the Facebook posts, man. And <laughs> sometimes it's like people would get triggered by the truth. And nope. it's, it's normal. But I mean, the truth by nature <laughs> is divisive. That's it. But we just like to um, ask for you just to share your final thoughts and where um, if those who are interested to learn more and to hear more um, of what God is using you to do and, and is speaking through you, that they can um, find that. Yeah, well, firstly, brothers, man, it was a pleasure, man. It was my pleasure no, to it's, host you. It's an honor. Man. Thank you we so definitely much. Definitely have, have more to talk about. Thank you. Man. We, we have <laughs> yes, to come sir. back to everything very soon. Yes, sir. Um, it was a pleasure. Um, uh, it's my first time meeting y'all, and I can say um, the passion, the zeal that you both have for God as a young man is admirable. Thank you, sir. And God Appreciate honors it. that, and I just pray. Uh, that God will, ha- well, God will continue to open your minds and to truth and to be stewards 
um, of truth. I, I'm proud of y'all, man. I'm, yeah. I'm really excited for you guys and what this future and this podcast have in the future. This is dope right here. Yeah, appreciate thank it. You, thank you, sir. Um, I suppose, I guess my final words would be, particularly going back to what we were talking about as it concerns the reality of uh, reevaluating and re-exploring the things that you were taught. Mm. I'll say this. Um, number one, it's not easy. Mm. It's it not, won't be easy. No. It will be difficult. Right. But there's a concept within scripture that speaks to, as you mentioned, the sovereign act of God, and it is God's grace. Mm. God's grace is so undeniably it's 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 somewhat what some some writers will say this, particularly there's a book that talks about the cruise of fishing by her name is Fleming Rutledge. And God's grace, or perhaps across this, is such paradoxical. Can you imagine God's undeserving act of love given to the undeserved? We don't deserve God's love. We really love. don't. We don't deserve don't his grace. We don't deserve righteousness. We don't de deserve his holiness. And he, he gives it to us. Wow. Not of any good of our own, mm -hmm. but because he chose to. Mm. Perfect. And so I believe God has ordained that person ordained you who's going through that process he's given you grace literally to literally yeah. go through that experience yeah and we don't take his grace for granted we honor his grace and and, and i'll pause and I'll, I'll just yield her and i'll conclude here for now I'll pause for now trust me for now <laughs> guys if you ever listen to <laughs> it, his podcast he, he says all preachers say it's that's right five, five more minutes. minutes five minutes that's right that's right <laughs> Um, I'll just say this in my closing. This is my absolute. I know preachers say that. It's my absolute closing. Okay, Pastor. <laughs> God's grace is not earned ever. Can't be. I don't yeah. care how much you, times you pray. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much angels you call upon. Oh, come on. Come I don't on. care how much times you call in the name of Jesus. Mm. I don't care how much ministry service you do. It does not add merit or brownie points to why God gives you what he gives you. He does it because he chose to do it. That word agapio in the Greek is not just unconditional love. Mm. There's another translation that we gotta uh, entertain. Mm. And that word agapio in the Greek doesn't mean just unconditional love. You know what it also means, brothers? It means God's intentional act. Amen. Wow. Which wow. means God intentionally chose to do what he chose to do. Amen. Mm. It's not just un unconditional. Mm. He chose to do it because of his own free will to choose to do it. That's it. And so as you go through that pro process, understand God's love for you. And this is the gospel that he's, he, he died for you. He, he, he suffered what he suffered so that you can experience his undeniable love for you. Wow. Hmm. Powerful. <sighs> Guys, what, what a blessing for you. What a blessing, man. Thank you so much for tuning in to JM Squared podcast where we had the opportunity to speak with. You didn't even mention his other accolades. He's a adjunct professor and all of this, but you know, amazing and humble man of God doing great things. Sir, you still didn't even mention where can the people find you? The no, people, the people need more, I, more, yeah. more of this. You know what? It's not even about me, man. Listen, mm. you can if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can just type in my name. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram. But listen, y'all, y'all follow this. Don't worry about me. Follow this podcast. These mm. guys are doing hot fire right there. If, but if you chose to pass by me on Instagram, uh, you can go so at Rohan, Rohan K Samuels or my username is R K Samuels on Instagram and also on Twitter. Amazing, powerful. Guys, this has been an amazing podcast and we thank you again for opening your doors, sir. And also um, being willing to open your wealth of wisdom and, and the opportunity to, to share um, this, this moment just to record a podcast with us. You never met us before. We just reached out to you and God is good really been blessed and i know that the listeners have been blessed you've been blessed joyson trust me that's a trust I me have, i wish i wish we could talk about more stuff but trust me there's a part two coming hopefully pa um pastor will either be coming to toronto or we'll we'll definitely go. we'll have to come back to edmonton you know oh honestly god is good and talk really honestly one of my last words just to kind of 
go back to what Pastor Ro was saying. God's grace is literally undeserved. Bro. And the profoundness of that literally implies that it's not about how good or how well you do. Mm. And even at church, like I was learning, like we're learning about like God's sovereignty and what God's grace mean. Yeah. And literally, this is how grace was defined. Grace and mercy. This, they look similar, but they don't really mean the same thing, though they're kind of both interconnected. Yeah. Grace is to receive what you don't deserve. And mercy is to not receive what you do deserve, which is punishment. Because uh, yeah, yeah. we should be punished. Because if God yeah. had to give you what you deserve, hey. his perfect justice will lead you straight to hell. Straight. But grace is really God giving you what you don't deserve, which My is God. eternal salvation. Eternal and everything salvation. that comes with it. And like he was saying, you can go through a process of deconstructing a lot of things. But that's really God's grace in you to grow through that process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. to learn the truth and to be sanctified in, in the, the truth. truth it hurts your flesh but your spirit is being built up that's and being it. blessed that's it and for you to be used to bless others and to deliver others you know so by god's grace so it's Guys, a blessing what a blessing what a blessing i feel like you know wwe when they have like the the people in the ring and they're just a referee and you just watching that's how i feel right now just like <laughs> It's amazing. But guys, thank you for tuning into JM Squared Podcast. And we pray that you've been blessed and that you receive something. And if you have, please feel free to let us know on Spotify. We have a question. What did you learn from this episode? And what were your takeaways? Um, you can also check with what we're doing on Instagram at JM Squared Podcast. J-M-S-Q-U-A-R-E-D Podcast. Um, as mentioned before, we're in Alberta right now. So you know we had to by the grace of god we're, we're here we're expanding our borders before we were in montreal and then now we're now we're in alberta Went to so. montreal ottawa Ottawa, alberta edmonton hey hey god is good but guys um yes please um continue to keep it locked and loaded to jm squared even on um spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts as well and thank you for taking this time to listen and we'll catch you on the next episode this is your boy mark and this is your boy joyson and thank you for listening to j m squared we out of here peace you are now listening to j m squared squared squared